You're listening to the Keto and Low Carb Success Podcast, Episode 51, Carbohydrates, Insulin, and Stubborn Belly Fat. Welcome to Keto and Low Carb Success, where I am here to help you on your weight loss and good health journey. I'm your host, Miriam Hatoum, course creator and author of Conquer Cravings with Keto, originally published as Breaking Free from Diet Prison. I am privileged to be part of your journey with this podcast based on my trademarked Granny Keto Transitions program. And please be sure to go to miriamhatoum.com resources to get all the free guides to help you along the way. I am in your shoes, my friends, and I wrote these guides for both of us. The link is in the show notes and transcript. Calories are not the full answer to weight loss, and sit-ups are not the full answer to a flat belly. What we eat that drives insulin is the route to shaking things up and getting rid of fat. Learn about the belly fat and insulin connection. Let's start with looking at how we got here, and that is the standard American diet. The standard American diet, often referred to as SAD, S-A-D, can be 400 to 500 or more carbohydrates a day, even if you are not overeating or binging. This governmental dietary recommendation, with no scientific research to support it, is overloaded with cereals, grains, legumes, and fruit. These carbohydrates are just sugar, which leads to high insulin, which leads to fat storage. The connection is simple. We have belly fat and insulin. These carbohydrates add up. One meal will usually have a hundred or more carbohydrates. By the time your day is done with three meals and perhaps two or three snacks, you are easily looking at that sad amount of 500 or more carbs per day, sometimes per meal. And how does this happen? Let's take a moderate, typical breakfast. Eight ounces of juice is 27 carbs. One cup of multigrain Cheerios is 24. Small sliced banana is 24 carbs. One cup of 2% milk is 12 carbs. Coffee with two tablespoons of crema is 10 carbs. And that's a total of 95. Want to add a Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts coffee drink to that on the way to work? Depending upon whether you use a flavoring and or sugar, it can add up to another 40 carbs for a small one. One multigrain bagel, nothing even on it, is 63 carbs. Okay, forget the Starbucks coffee drink and maybe the bagel. What are things you might pick up as a snack or add to your meal during the day? Think you are good to get just a snack bag of baked Lay's potato chips? Add 31 carbs right there for only 15 chips, and that is probably only half a snack bag. Think a handful of grapes, about one cup is better? Well, maybe. That's only 29 carbs. And lunch. Boy, you're being good here. You brought one of these lean cuisines to heat up at work. Examples. Sesame chicken, 51 carbs. Glazed turkey tenderloins. 44 carbs. Lasagna with meat sauce, 45 carbs. 
Parmesan-crusted fish, 42 carbs. And let me add, as a former Lean Cuisine and Weight Watchers frozen meal sort of gal myself, you are starving within an hour. So let's add fruit, salad, maybe popcorn, pretzels. Haven't switched to diet soda to go with that Lean Cuisine? A can of Coke is 40 carbs. You get the point here. By the time your day is done with three meals and two or three snacks, you are easily looking at four to 500 carbs or more. I spared you going through a dinner menu that might include a baked potato or pasta bread, a casserole that might have breading, etc. But you get the point from what goes on at breakfast and lunch. You are not broken, my friend. You have been raised since childhood to desire and eat certain foods. Luck of the draw that you might not have had a good metabolism or good genes like other kids your age. So now let's complete the loop. You are a child who is overweight. You probably didn't have as much physical activity because your weight made it hard to be in activities. Can you imagine an 80-plus pound 7-year-old holding her weight on the monkey bars or a 100-pound-plus 10-year-old running bases with the thinner, more agile kids? Then the teasing makes you want to withdraw more. And of course, you are never picked for schoolyard games. So you are one of these kids. Do cookies and snacks make you feel better? Of course they do. You are now developing triggers that will be with you your entire life. When you're sad, you turn to food. When you're lonely, you turn to food. When you're anxious, you turn to food. And now the big one. Love equals food. At least mom's spaghetti warmed your tummy and your heart. In addition to triggers, habits, and lifestyle, the sad way of eating has made it difficult for your hormones to function in a way that supports dynamic health. If you were put on a diet when you were a child and are still searching for the holy grail in your 50s, 60s, or even 70s, I think you can start to see that the road to your weight problems was paved long before you even knew any pavers were being set down. There is no blame here. It was a perfect storm of available food, emotions, genetics, metabolism, and habits. As Maya Angelou said, when you know better, you do better. Now it's your time to do better as you learn more about your predicament. So let's learn about sugar consumption, blood sugar, insulin, and fat storage so you can do better. One question is, can you have stable blood sugar but high insulin? In the early stages of metabolic dysfunction, and this would be pre-diabetes, beginning stages of insulin resistance, etc., people may have normal or slightly elevated fasting glucose, but very high levels of circulating insulin. I just want to put in here that for years, my blood sugar was coming back normal. My A1C was normal. And when I learned about keto, when I asked for a fasting insulin test, the number was off the charts. 
the normal amount should be, let's say, under five. And mine was 49. So I already had metabolic problems, even though the standard tests didn't show it. So anyway, Jason Fung, among other researchers, has said that high insulin levels, which is known as hyperinsulinemia, can show itself decades before diabetes ever shows itself. So here I am 70, or in my 70s at this point, and my A1C is creeping up. But it's not creeping up because all of a sudden I'm eating sugar and bread. It's creeping up because that fate was almost sealed years ago when the insulin was already high. I highly recommend Joyce Kitty's excellent article on this. One of her observations is particularly sad but true. She said physicians have answers, meaning lab test results, but oftentimes are asking the wrong questions. And this was me with my blood sugar versus insulin. The link to this article will be in the show notes and transcript. I suggest you read it. An A1C test, or at least fasting glucose, is pretty much a standard test on any blood test panel that you will have done. However, as I said, that is not the full picture of metabolic health. Fasting insulin, which is a good capture of metabolic health, is rarely done. As a matter of fact, as I said, in my own experience, a request for a fasting insulin test always had to be handwritten by the doctor, and it was never part of the checkoff list of the hundreds of standard blood tests. And I think this is one of the reasons doctors don't even think of asking for it. Furthermore, I was never called out on my fasting insulin, even when it hit 49. It was totally ignored by my doctor, who was going by my A1C that was good enough. So here was an answer with no question at all. A world of hurt could have been avoided if that doctor understood that I was headed for trouble with insulin resistance, even though my blood sugar was within a normal range. And what is insulin and insulin resistance? Insulin is a hormone released by the pancreas after you eat. It helps the glucose, which is sugar, in your blood enter cells to be used as energy. When you are constantly consuming glucose in any form, your pancreas keeps pumping out insulin to open the receptors to your cells so that they will take in the glucose for energy. But at some point, your cells become deaf to the insulin knocking at the door and they lock themselves up from accepting any more glucose to use as energy. This is why your blood sugar will go up. It circulates instead of being moved into the cells for energy. This state of cells no longer responding to insulin is known as insulin resistance. Think of the system as a lock and key. Insulin is the key that unlocks the cell. If the cell does not get unlocked, the glucose has nowhere to go, so it stays in your blood ultimately being moved to fat cells for storage. When your blood sugar reaches a high level, you are said to have developed type 2 diabetes. 
Pre-diabetes is when some glucose is getting into your cells to be used as energy, but not totally and certainly not efficiently. Under this lock and key condition, the pancreas secretes even more insulin in hopes it will lower the glucose in the blood. This condition leads to high insulin levels called hyperinsulinemia. Hyperinsulinemia then leads to an exaggerated insulin response. This means that even eating a small amount of carbohydrates might cause the pancreas to release large amounts of useless insulin. This exaggerated insulin response results in a vicious cycle where you feel you are on a hamster wheel getting nowhere with your efforts to diet. Now, the insulin resistance follows. There are many conditions that can signal insulin resistance. Skin tags, patches of dark-colored skin, dyslipidemia conditions, such as low HDL, high cholesterol, and high blood triglycerides, and hunger and fatigue. Even if you have just eaten, you could be fatigued and sluggish. This is because your insulin is not getting glucose into your cells to be used as energy. You are tired all the time. You are also hungry all the time because not only are your cells not getting the energy they need, but your satiety hormones, which are ghrelin and leptin, are also out of whack. Other insulin fallout. Other insulin resistance conditions can be PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, atherosclerosis, I can never say that, atherosclerosis, and hypertension. Sometimes insulin resistance is said to cause a cascade of metabolic disorders because one can cause the others. Or if they are separate, they do tend to cluster and cascade at the same time. And now they're calling Alzheimer's type 3 diabetes. And I think that is even more frightening than what's happening with your body. Insulin and fat storage. Now let's turn to belly fat and insulin. Insulin will either help cells obtain energy from glucose or help glucose turn to fat for long-term storage. With your muscle cells being impaired because of insulin resistance, where they turn a deaf ear to insulin, the insulin then moves the glucose along to fat cells to be stored for future energy needs, which actually never come unless you become a serious athlete or a super-duper ketone burner. Unfortunately, this fat storage is in the worst possible place. When you hear the term belly fat, It sounds benign, but it is the most dangerous fat in your body. And I want to talk a bit about types of fat. Visceral or white fat is your belly fat. And this is where the white fat that's stored in your abdomen and all around your major organs, such as the liver, kidneys, pancreas, intestines, and heart resides. While some of this fat is important in the function of our hormones, large amounts of this type of fat can increase your risk for diabetes, heart disease, stroke, artery disease, and some cancers. 
Another type is brown fat. A type of fat primarily found in babies is called brown fat. Adults do still retain a very small amount of brown fat, typically in the neck and shoulders. This type of fat burns fatty acids and may actually prevent obesity. Beige fat. A relatively new area of research is beige fat, also referred to as bright fat. That's B-R-I-T-E fat. These fat cells function somewhere between brown and white fat cells and can help burn fat rather than storage. And then there's essential fat. Essential fat is essential for your life and a healthy body. This fat is found in your brain, bone marrow, nerves, and the membranes that protect your organs. It plays a major role in hormone regulation, vitamin absorption, and temperature regulation. So your goal shouldn't be to have no body fat, but your goal should be to bring it down to where you are no longer storing belly fat or no longer at risk for diabetes. The bottom line, further to all of this is the debate about whether obesity causes insulin resistance or whether insulin resistance causes obesity. There is valuable and current research on both sides, but the consensus they agree with is that you must become healthy to lose weight rather than lose weight to become healthy. They indeed go hand in hand, but it appears that very simply, lowering your insulin will reduce insulin resistance and fat storage. Now it's up to you to stop dieting. I think that you can start to see that dieting and weight loss is not the main attraction here, but rather choosing a healthy lifestyle. Stop dieting and live your life in a healthy way. Now that you see the connection between belly fat and insulin, and insulin resistance, it is important to take actions to eliminate its formation and storage. You do this by consuming less glucose-producing foods, and you will not have your pancreas working overtime to produce insulin. Produce less insulin and calm down your insulin resistance. This will open the muscle cell receptors, so that the transporters can do their job of moving glucose into the muscle cells to be used for energy. You will have less fatigue, less hunger, and better functioning hormones. This week's actionable coaching advice. Even if you do not normally keep a food journal, which I suggested in episode 33, I would like you to plan one to two days in advance or at the very least, just list the foods you think you will be eating in the next two days, including snacks. You can even just write it as you go along. The whole point is just to see what you are eating. Look over that list and see where the carbohydrates are. Are you eating breads, crackers, cereal, chips, sweets, starchy vegetables, etc.? I am not asking you to cut them out. I just want you to begin to build an awareness of where your carbohydrates are coming from. If you have already begun to eat keto, then most likely this list will be sparse. 
If you are eating low carb, you might be surprised that you are still consuming carbohydrates on the heavier side. If you are having a hard time cutting down on carbohydrates, no matter how much you try, I would like you to go over to my course, Keto and Low Carb Success, at miriamhatoum.com course and read up on what I am offering. There is no need to go it alone, and the help you will get with this course will serve you no matter what eating style you land up following for yourself. The course is opening June 26th, and if you are on the wait list, no obligation to purchase, you will be entered to win a $50 coupon towards the course, sweetening the deal without the carbohydrates. The direct link is in the show notes and transcript. I have very special gifts and pricing for the summer of 2023. Now let me remind you, if you've ever got a question you'd like to ask me or share a topic idea that you would like me to cover on a future episode, don't be a stranger. I always look forward to hearing from you. You are welcome to email me directly, miriam at miriamhatoum.com. And don't forget to leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. I would so appreciate it. Leaving a review makes it easier for other people who are looking to listen and learn about keto and low carb. And coming up in the next episode, next week, I'm going to talk all about summer stumbling blocks. This episode will help you put your tools into place so that you can face any food situation this summer, from backyard barbecues to large family events, from staying at hotels during travel to camping in a tent, from traveling on a plane to traveling in your car, and so much more. So go share the show with your friends. Let them know that's coming up in the next episode and invite them to tune in with you and learn how to become free from diet prison with my Keto and Low Carb Success Podcast. Until then, go live free from diet worry, and I'll see you back here next time.